Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Gold, joined by my other hosts, Amanda Davis and Beth Rolfs. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Beth. Hey, Kenny. We're all here. The gang's all here. Before we jump into the five things this week, a couple of housekeeping notes. If you haven't listened to Gray Matter, give it a listen. It's fascinating stuff. It's the story of ideas. It's a little different than what we do here, but it's still intellectual and fun. And if you don't commute, you've got more time to listen to things like this. So give Gray Matter a listen. Also, we're off next week. It's Thanksgiving. Be safe when you celebrate this year. You don't necessarily need to be with your family, uh, but we hope you all uh, have a good Thanksgiving. We'll be skipping it and we'll see you the week after. Now into the five things. First, fleets. What a year, 2020, from Fleetwood Mac to fleets. Could be like a, a you know, so Twitter expanded fleets. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to hear about YouTube announcing the 2020 Rewind cancellation. Yes, sounds awesome. TikTok testing charity features. It's about time. Instagram redesigning the home screen. It threw me for a loop. And then Facebook launching new video series hosted by none other than Post Malone. So with that, let's dive into the five things. Twitter expanded fleets. So if you haven't been hiding under a rock this week um, and you have opened up Twitter, you have seen a stories-like feature at the top of your Twitter feed. Very, very interesting what they've created. The idea is called fleets. It's been in test for quite a bit, but has rolled out around the the world uh, this week. And it's pretty similar to stories, if you want to know the truth. Uh, the, the prompt in there is share a fleeting thought. Uh, you know, there, there's long been a tradition of people who post tweets and then delete them. Uh, this is creating a function that allows tweets to last for 24 hours. Um, a few upfront thoughts. It forces a traditional text-only platform to be more visual, uh, which I think is very interesting. It's integrating the camera more. Although I think... Uh, Twitter has become much more visual over the last couple of years with the integration of GIFs and videos directly into feed. Some folks at the home store uh, say it feels a bit desperate. Um, you know, a little bit of yes, us as well. Um, very curious to see how people start to use it. We know now that not only is Instagram doing this and Snap, the, the originators of this function have been doing it. And now Twitter is doing it, but LinkedIn is doing this as well with LinkedIn stories. Um, you know, interesting to see how people are using the stories function in a professional setting. It feels a bit like everyone's trying to be the same thing, which when we talk about Snap, uh, we often say how they're so different from other networks. We also feel that way with Pinterest, but interesting to see sort of the big three uh, act in the same way. And the truth is, free the edit button. Everybody just wants the edit button. So when is Twitter going to comply? Um, you know, so with that, let's talk a little bit about fleets. What do we think it means, Amanda, Beth? Let's hear it. I was kind of surprised to hear this feature rolled out from Twitter. Again, to your point, I don't think anyone was asking for this. I, I don't think this is really a big use case for the platform. Um, 
I, I mean, same with what you mentioned about LinkedIn. Like, I don't know if those are two places that I go to share kind of fleeting thoughts, to use their terms. Um, and I, I think the other issue is that at, at the time of this recording, Fleets is actually having a lot of issues um, and like crashing a lot of people's Twitter apps and feeds and lagging behind. So that that begs a lot of comparison to Snapchats, to Instagram stories. So I think um, like the most recent news I read about it was that this was trending on Twitter fleets, obviously people talking about it, but that the second trending topic is Snapchat. So people are talking about it. And right now, again, we'll, we'll see how the next week, several weeks goes. Right now, people are talking about it, not loving it and comparing it to Snapchat. So I don't consider that a win um, right, as of right now. Yeah, but it does make you think back on like when Instagram created stories and how there was a lot of backlash initially and then the adoption went up. It's I do agree though that it's very interesting for the platform and I know that Twitter has a lot of loyal fans and kind of lovers of the platform because of kind of the nature of the platform and this does veer a little bit off from that. I do think that LinkedIn stories is even a little bit stranger. It feels like, you know, the social media awkward networking event. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what brands do with fleets. I could see like Twitter wars turning into something different and more visual and more um, kind of in the moment, but definitely an interesting update. I think it'll be interesting as well. I think for news organizations, it will be uh, pretty interesting to see how they use it. I think the news organizations have been such a huge proponent of the channel. Um, very, very curious to see how this goes. And are they going to do highlights? What comes next for Twitter? Um, with that, let's move on to 2020. What are we going to do with you, 2020? Well, we know that YouTube just announced that their 2020 rewind cancellation uh, will be taking place. So Beth, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So for those of you who might not know, YouTube every year does the YouTube Rewind, which is the company's kind of annual end of year tribute to its creators, the trends that have happened, um, the big moments of the year. So I think YouTube is making kind of the smart decision that 2020 has been a quote different year. Um, and because of the nature of 2020 and it was a little tough uh, <laughs> understatement of the year, um, YouTube has decided to forego YouTube's rewind this year. Um, uh, the, the company said it doesn't feel right to carry on as if 2020 weren't a different year, um, but it is the first time since 2010 that rewind has not happened, which I think is, you know, worth noting. Um, but at the same time, the YouTube Rewind does tend to kind of be the butt of a lot of jokes. And actually in 2018 was the most disliked video of all time on YouTube. So it's it's an interesting play. I think it's right. I think it's, it's not tone deaf, the opposite of tone deaf. Um, and YouTube acknowledging that this has been a tough year and taking this stand feels good to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think this year has been just tough and and trying to make people relive it is crazy, complex, 
magazine or complex now. I don't think they're called complex magazine anymore. Um, posted on Instagram the picture of uh, Kobe uh, with his daughter sitting courtside at the Lakers game. And they were like, this photo was taken a year ago. And it's like, oh my God, like Kobe died this year. Like there, there's so much that happened. And that it, it's, it's just insane to think about all that was going on between January and March. And then just the, between the election and COVID and the way that the, and George Floyd and, and everything, Breonna Taylor, everything that's been happening this year, mm-hmm. time is like molasses right now. And, and this year is, is so emotional and difficult globally, uh, but especially here in the U.S. And I just think, you know, YouTube's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. No one needs to relive this and, and go back and sort of and, and try and deal with this all over again. Um, it feels like digital PTSD. Um, but it's uh, I'm glad to see it happen. Amanda, what do you think? Um, I agree fundamentally with everything that you guys have said and how how YouTube has announced this. I do think it 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 could have been a missed opportunity to spend a little bit more time um, and celebrate the role that I, I do think YouTube had had some wins and how they've brought people together. It's been a very remote quarantine year. Like I, 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 I would have been curious to see how we could have extracted like any of the small, good little victories, people coming together, you know, moments that were shared um, globally online, because again, not, not, an in-person year, for instance. I, I do think it was a missed opportunity. Um, I understand it. I Again, I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more kind of thought and um, focus on how that community is celebrated in a year like this. Yeah, and YouTube did come out and say that this year, like, usage has surged on the platform and that the creators really have kind of been that bright spot in a lot of darkness that was 2020. But I think, I I agree with you, Amanda, that it could have been beautiful and it could have been done the right way. But at the same time, like, could it? I don't know. Would it have been interpreted the right way? Is it taking advantage of the fact that the platform, is it like celebrating the wrong thing? Mm -hmm. I I see how it could have turned into kind of a PR nightmare, no matter how well-intentioned it was. Um, But that's not to say that creators haven't, been a huge light in the dark for 2020 people need a break like i think people just need a break i think the youtube people need a break everybody (laughs) needs a break from everything or just everything like two weeks can everyone just sit down and take a breath yeah uh, (laughs) amanda take the week i was gonna say Uh, is that a demand because i will absolutely do that Well, while you're taking the break that I just mandated, uh, can we talk about TikTok testing charity features? Because that sounds like the positivity we need in the world. We do. TikTok um, is testing a new feature which allows users to basically add charity links um, and donate to organizations right through their profiles. So I think it was in April they released um, donation stickers similar to what Instagram has where you can add kind of a click through to donate to your the charity of your choice that you select. And now they've added the functionality where you can actually do that in your own profile from creators. So this is really interesting. And again, I 
am really impressed by kind of TikTok's focus on which features they're rolling out and what they do. You know, right now, um, coronavirus is spiking. People are, you know, having to be locked down again. A lot of the charities that they feature um, are based on, you know, some of these industries that are hardest hit by by coronavirus and by the shutdowns, like actors, um, teachers, restaurant workers, etc. So I think that this came at a, a time that was much needed. And I think this was a very proactive move. I, I don't know that a lot of people, you know, had specifically asked to expand this feature, but knowing that it's there and knowing that it's an option to kind of be an always on support of some of these organizations is is really interesting. It also comes right after TikTok um, has pledged to donate $250 million in support of a lot of these um, frontline workers, teachers, communities that are affected by COVID-19. Um, so it's interesting. They've also, on top of that, provided $125 million in advertising credits to public health organizations and, and kind of nonprofits. So all of this to say is is very timely and much needed. And I it's refreshing, again, to see something that's kind of a proactive move um, while we go into the uh, a weird kind of, you know, tough winter for most. I, I Yeah, it's a nice little feel good, feel good feature ad. I think the the crew on TikTok, the people who use it, are altruistic. Um, they are civically minded, and it seems very interesting to me that this is. It took TikTok so long to roll this out. Um, I know from the work that we have done that with a charitable component attached to programs, uh, the audiences are much more likely to engage. Um, so I love it. I, I I love it. Love it. Love it. So one thing I think is interesting is that over the summer, you know, through the course of 2020, Instagram, and I promise I'm getting to a point here, Instagram never added a swipe up feature on stories for most users. It was just for kind of the high, um, the high traffic creators and, and businesses and stuff like that. I would have loved to see them do something similar, whether you're trying to share more information or share like a trusted news source or share a charity or something else that you're trying to raise awareness for. So that's why I appreciated that TikTok's done this um, and it, and is rolling it out to the the general user versus keeping it um, to a specific smaller batch of creators. Yeah, yeah, it feels like. Oh, sorry, go Beth. I was just to say I agree, and I I was thinking the exact same thing you were, Kenny. That like this seems so right for the audience that's on TikTok and matches their values, and I think will, if anything, just cement the usage and the love for, you know, the audience that's there and then in, uh, the future audience of the platform. So I think it's great. I'm with you guys. What are you well, say? I'm really excited to talk about the next topic because I feel like Instagram used to be so clean and simple and it was just like everybody loved it. And now it's like every three days, I feel like there's a new feature and a new, uh, a, a new design layout and a new rollout. So Beth, Instagram redesigned the home screen. What happened? Yes. So this might be very disorienting for people, but the company has now added reels and shop tabs to its home screen, which really it kind of shows us the direction that the platform wants to be going um, and where it's, I think, putting its eggs in its proverbial basket going forward. Um, but reels, if anyone is unfamiliar, is similar to TikTok videos. Um, and then shop will take you right to um, content from shoppable videos or channels. So 
it's um I think it's like a real stake in the ground of where the platform sees itself going and um, how they're trying to kind of influence user behavior as well. What do you guys think? I I feel like this is prime feature additions for kind of marketers and businesses, small businesses or, or large. Um, I mean, these are the two places that I think are the biggest opportunity for most brands. It's creating medium to long form content through reels and selling directly from the platform. So it's an interesting move in support of, you know, the businesses. Again, I, this isn't small or large specific, but the businesses that operate mainly on the platform, um, it's just as a user, uh, if you if you've seen all the memes, it's a little to your point, Beth, a little disorienting. And I, I don't know if that's my use case for getting on the platform. Sometimes I click the button, I get frustrated and I click out <laughs> of the app. Um, so I'm curious to see if this sticks, if this stays around. Um, but I, I do think this was built in mind for not the everyday casual Instagram user. Yeah. It's interesting too with the shop. Like I am, I am the perfect Instagram consumer. Like I buy an embarrassing amount of stuff off of Instagram, but for some reason, the like behavioral science behind having the shop tab there, I'm like, oh, they're they're here for me to shop, so I will not do it. I it'll be interesting to see like what is the actual success of having that be so in your face versus like, a, oh, this seems like something I could do while I'm just looking through. And um, we talk about this a lot and I'm the same way. I've b- purchased a lot straight off of Instagram. And I think the reason, I don't know about you, but the reason that it's so successful is it is a discovery and it does feel like a natural part of your lifestyle, your newsfeed, your Instagram stories. These are the things that I'm taking in and interest me and are specific to me. And I want to purchase it and I go through the funnel. It's not going to, you know, a curated market of selected items that I could could pick from. Like, that's not what I enjoy about shopping on Instagram. So again, I think I would be curious to see how much of the kind of user behavior and response um, impacts whether this stays this way or not. All I know is it would have made for a hysterical video of me trying to figure out how to operate Instagram, <laughs> which is... So sad for me because I've grown up on this channel and just like I opened it up and I was like, how do I post a story? What do I do? do?" And then I was like very, it just felt so clunky and I felt so out of it. And I'm just, it's a little better now. It got a little cleaner. Um, But we shall see. All right. Let's end with Post Malone. Amanda, tell us about the new video series that Facebook is launching. With our friend, friend of the pod, Post Malone. Yeah, one of our best friends, Post Malone. Yeah, right, we wish. <laughs> Don't ask him about it, but he is close to our hearts. Um, so Facebook announced, first of all, let me just zoop, like scoop back a little bit. Facebook announced this watch together feature, and I'm reiterating that because I haven't personally used it. I don't know if it's spread to the masses, but it's essentially where you can... Um, the functionality is kind of like a FaceTime, but you're watching, you know, content on the platform together. Um, so it's like hanging out online. Um, and that that was in September. And now they followed that up with a new show that's going to be featured on the platform featuring Post Malone. So this will be a weekly show every Wednesday where Post Malone hosts different celebrity guests and people can tune in. And again, um, Facebook and Instagram have combined their messenger platform so you can watch together 
with a friend or multiple friends and kind of consume this content and talk about it through a video call on the platform. Um, and they've also created this little, this tab where this and other shows will live. It's within um, the Facebook platform and obviously prompts people to watch shows and content with their friends. This is interesting. Um, I think it sounds like it would be utilized pretty heavily. Um, I, I don't know that there's a lot of use case where I'm watching content on Instagram and I'm immediately wanting to watch it with someone else that I'm not with. But again, we're going into a different kind of winter. We're, you know, still socially distancing. We're still not being able to spend time with all the people we would like to. So while I don't know if the use case is there for consuming this content together, I'd be interested to see how this kind of expands into other maybe more widespread engaging content from movies. You know, if a blockbuster movie is is now released on this platform, I might watch it with my friends, podcasts, live events, you know, thinking of things like award shows and things like that. I don't I'm curious to see how it goes. I don't I don't know, Kenny, if I'm going to call you and see if you want to watch this um, next week together. But I'm interested to see how this feature kind of expands. You can call me to watch this whenever you want and anything else. I'm always about it. Uh, I think it's great to see um, the content consumption components of these channels evolve. Um, and it just creates more opportunities, you know, for us as marketers to find new integrations and new ways to tell stories. So I think it's pretty interesting. Beth, anything you want to throw on top here? Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, Amanda, like 2020 is a weird year. 2021 is going to continue to be that way. Like this might get more adoption than we think. Um, and my, the first place my head goes is like funny content that you would like message someone. Maybe there's room there to watch together. And then also, of course, like cult followings like The Bachelor and reality TV that there are those watch parties like this an opportunity for that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it rolls out. And I agree with you, Kenny, that there's a, I think there is an interesting role for marketers to play here and to kind of take advantage of the groups that you will get and the consumer kind of tribes that will be watching certain things together. I'm also well, curious. Oh, 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 I had one more Amanda, amusing. let's hear it. One more last minute music. Can't get get enough of the last thing. I'm already coming around to adopting it myself um, because I'm also curious to see how this impacts what we, you know, consider to be cultural moments together. Again, whether it's the Super Bowl or the Grammys or whatever it may be, I do think this changes the way that we're going to be able to consume those things together. So I'd really be interested to see how this impacts kind of like those larger cultural tentpole moments um, and, and pluses it up, knowing how many people are on Facebook and Instagram. That was it, though. Well, we hope that you're also inspired by this podcast that you email us at podcastsatgray.com. That's if you have any thoughts or questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Let me take this opportunity to say how thankful and grateful I am for having amazing co-hosts and friends like Amanda and Beth, who get to join me every single week to talk about this stuff. And I'm thankful for all of you for listening. Please, please, please be safe in the coming weeks. Make good decisions. We're all in this together. And we hope you enjoyed listening. 
Please tune in again the week after Thanksgiving for our next edition of The Five Things. And as always, stay safe, stay smart, stay social. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Petty and Grace McDougall. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.